I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody Whites, your professional coach, making sure you get nothing less than a spectacular life. I am with Jim Fuller today. Hi, Jim. Hi, Jody. And I'm thrilled to have him. He's going to be talking to us about some really interesting and thought-provoking things. Let me tell you a little bit about Jim. Jim Fuller has lived a colorful global life from barefoot backpacker to corporate leader, fire dancer, and traditional tattooist, a kindergarten teacher to motorcycle courier, masseuse, and reflexology to laborer and travel consultant. Now his time is as a partner and father, coach, facilitator, and retreat leader. He is the author of the award-winning book, The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men, and can be seen delivering his TEDx talk on YouTube. Wow, Jim, that is quite a history. Okay, what haven't you done? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. I um. Yeah, I still I still kind of shake my head at myself looking back over everything that I've packed in. And um yeah, it, it certainly wasn't planned. It just organically evolved that that the journey, you know. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that you seem at heart like an adventurer. And whether it's external or internal that there's something to try you do it you know there is something else to explore you're gonna jump on it um have you always had this i'm gonna say a courageous way of exploring life uh yeah i have and i never thought of it as being courageous although there's certainly um, a lot of courage was needed to try the things that i've tried i used to think of myself as an experience junkie (laughs) <laughs> I just wanted to experience everything, you know, whether it was jumping out of a plane or, you know, writing songs or going to countries I'd never been to before. Or, yeah, I, I just it was really thirsty to to experience as much as possible. And, you know, now I think I feel kind of feel like I'm in the second half of my life now. That remains to be seen, depending on how old I am when <laughs> I die. But I'm in my early 50s now. And certainly that that kind of desperate need to be out there and experiencing everything has um, chilled out a bit, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But I still love new experiences. I love tasting new foods. I love going to countries I've never been to before. I love exploring, as you, as you suggested, introspectively parts of self that I haven't explored before and ways of being that I haven't um, understood before. You know, part of my my personal purpose in life is to to learn open-mindedly. I'm, I'm hoping I always am learning. Right. And, um, you know, based on the book, which I have read, is, is really a guide on how to be 
not only open-minded, but open-hearted and mm. how to communicate what is in your heart to someone um, with again, great listening, but also coming back and paying attention to yourself as well and understanding the path and really what is going on. Now, um, the Art of Conscious Communications came out recently. I think it was two, 2021, is that correct? At the end of it, yeah. So yeah. it's been out just a little over a year now. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to write a book about communications for thoughtful men? I mean, what, what kinds of experience did you have for men who were trapped in, in maybe had conflict avoidance and, and couldn't talk about what was going on with them in a loving and effective way? Mm. Yeah, there's certainly a massive need for that. I, I started writing the book initially just about communication in general and more conscious communication because, um, you know, as a coach and also as a as a partner and a father and and um, son and brother, but but mainly in my coaching, I I was realizing over the years I've I've been running my own coaching practice for ten years now, and communication was so often the the part of relationships where people were tripping up, you know, whether that's a professional relationship between a leader and a team or interdepartmentally between, you know, the, the, the GM of the financial department and the GM of the sales department, uh, dysfunctionally in, in professional relationship together. And they were just missing each other in communication, uh, or, or if it's to take an idea and manifest that idea into reality, you can't do that without communication. And then also on the global stage, you know, looking at people who have different ideas, whether it's pro-vax, anti-vax or pro-life, mm. pro-choice or, mm. you know, people with different ideas and they're just shouting at each other. And that's mm. not actually helping humanity evolve and solve problems. So, so I'm passionate about communication being a really important part of being human and how we can work together because we do need each other. And so I, write, I started writing the book generally about communication. And then I engaged a book writing mentor and she said to me, um, Gem, I think you need to pick a, a more narrow audience because you're writing too broadly. And she said, you know what? I think men could really do with some help with communication. And I immediately agreed with her. So I started tailoring the book for men. So then to answer the, the, the kind of core part of your question, Jody. You know, as as cultures, certainly in the West, but also in Eastern cultures as well, our, our boys and girls are born into a patriarchal structure. Yeah. And this patriarchal structure is one of dominance. And in this patriarchal structure, boys are told, toughen up, harden up, suck it up, man up. Boys are told, not just by their dads, but by their mums as well, don't cry like a girl. Right? Yeah. So we start telling these little children that if you are male, that you're not allowed to have emotions and that if you are female, that you should. And so there's a whole host of problems that comes from that. One of them is that um, we are now, we've, we've created generations of males and whether they're feeling like they're a man or whether they're feeling like they're still a boy or whether they're feeling however they feel, but we've created generations of males who have excommunicated themselves 
from their emotional self. So not only can they not communicate their emotions, they can't really even access them to to some degree. Um, And that's a problem. You know, it is a problem. Um, And you're describing, you know, and I want to get to that. You've got some great things to say that you have written about in your book. But you also tell a very personal story in your book. And it's very similar to what you have just described about a patriarchal father who was wonderful, but in the communication or the opening up or the being allowed to access your feelings and tell someone your feelings, that was shut out. What Mm. happened? What happened then and then? Later on in life, when did you discover that these areas were blocked? Uh, yeah, look, my my father was doing the best that he knew how to do, given the resources available to him at the time. You know, he was a product of his nurture nature, and which was um, Second World post Second World War, around the time of Second World War, and and um, you know, in Northern England where his father, it was survival. His father survived the war and came home and it was, you know, you had to work hard and there was times were really tough and there wasn't time to sit around and contemplate and meditate and explore your emotions. <laughs> or you even know? ask questions, philosophical questions along right? You just line. literally had to suck it up um, and go to work and survive. So I understand where he came, where my father came from. And so he was just doing his best to try and raise his children the best way possible. He actually, mum and dad did a pretty good job. The four of us, there's now three of us. My younger brother died on his motorbike, but the four of us are actually um, pretty happy people and quite functioning reasonably well. So mum and dad must have done something right. Um, However, I never felt like I fit because I was naturally uh, quite a sensitive boy um but i got told to um, not be emotional so you know dad would shut my emotions down and then i also felt for whatever reasons to rebel against my father i didn't want to be him so i was quite rebellious as a teenager and then i didn't feel like i fit and i because i was emotional i didn't feel like i fit the patriarchy or what it was to be a man Mm -hmm. so i was quite confused about all of that and and i put my anxieties into one particular part of my being which was into sexual intimacy and that played out in various different degrees of dysfunctional stuff through my you know my earlier adult years and in, and then into my marriage which ended up becoming really really um really tough really tough you know i was so ashamed and so embarrassed and it was my deep dark secret torture and I couldn't tell anybody and now I'm very open about it and the reason I'm open about it is because I think that through sharing our vulnerabilities that I'm hoping that any men who are listening to my story who are going through something similar but haven't told anybody that they feel like there's a little glimmer of hope that they can open the door and find someone they trust to talk about their their vulnerabilities with you know because it's it's hard for us to heal as an island all on our own. I mean, yes, we need to do the work to heal ourselves, but we also need to heal in community. And so many of these topics are so shameful that they don't get spoken about, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. Yeah, it, you know, shame uh, Shame is probably what I have seen in my experiences and people that I have dealt with 
through coaching or conversations is probably the number one reason people stay blocked and people mm. stay stagnant because it, it does feel like a deep dark secret it feels like there's there's alone and nobody has experienced these things like they have well yeah. when they get in community such as what you offer they can um you know they can see that other people are holding on to things just like they are and it plays out in so many different dysfunctional ways yeah um, how would you i mean how would you recommend that that somebody start to access and touch that shame to just get a little more information about what's going on mm. Oh, look, I, I've been the, the feedback I've been receiving over the last year with my book has been really heartwarming. I've had men and women around the world emailing me saying, thank you so much for writing this book. Not only were your stories engaging and, and vulnerable and personable, but but your practices, the, the, the strategies that I suggest at the end of each chapter, they say they're so powerful and, and really making an immediate difference for me. So the book I think is a really good resource and, and the, the practices that I suggest in there do make a difference, you know? Yeah. So if someone is listening and, and curious, then you can grab that book anywhere. Um, and, and look, I, I think also if you, if you look within your community, if you look for a group of people that you can learn to trust, that you feel safe with, that you feel aligned with, they're out there. You just need to be open to looking for that. You know, I've been sitting in a men's circle for 12 years now, and it's just a group of men down here where, where I live. We don't live in a city. We live on the surf coast down here in, you know, little surfing towns along the coast. And there's a group of us men, you know, about 10 of us, and we just sit around a fire once a month and we have a theme and we talk about that theme. You know, it's not a counseling session. It's not a coaching session. We're not there to rescue each other. We're literally just there to listen to each other and have the opportunity to speak your truth, you know, to, to share in a safe environment your vulnerabilities and your strengths, you know. And that's been remarkable for me. And that that was the opportunity for me to first have the courage to start talking about my demons, my deep shadow stuff that I'd kept hidden away, you know, and slowly through sharing a little bit at a time, slowly over time, um, the healing began and, um, and, and, and now I feel completely fine to be vulnerable and share. That's you know. great. It, it really sounds like there's a lot of modeling going on in this men's group where somebody can actually see this person be whoever they are transparent and whoever they are in that moment while sharing, which gives them strength and hope that again, yeah. sharing a little bit, then maybe a little more. And, and yeah. my belief is the more that you open up and can share the more of more of things come to light about yeah. yourself, uh, the situation, the environment, the things we were told, whether they're true or not true and you have you get to decide now as an adult um yep. but also what comes out of that i think 
is a large part of what you write about is really self-acceptance. And one of the, you know, statements you have in the book is, it says self-acceptance is such an important part of being able to see and hear others clearly. The more okay you are with yourself, that is your past, the situations, the more resolved you are, the less it's about you in communication and the more it can be about others and the communication itself so there are so many benefits to accepting yourself in all these situations um do you want to let us know what other benefits are there about self-acceptance yeah and and radical self-acceptance Tell me what radical self-acceptance is. Well, complete self-acceptance. In in this moment right now, I'm not talking about do I hope to improve throughout the rest of my life? Of course, I'm, I'm hoping that we keep learning and improving and growing and expanding and evolving f- for sure. But in this moment right now, if we could take a, a snapshot of time, if we could take a freeze frame of time right now, that you are exactly, exactly, precisely who you're supposed to be because there you are, (laughs) right? And if you were meant to be any different, you'd be different, but you're not. You're not supposed to be more like anyone else. You're not supposed to be as smart as that person or as fast as that person or as good looking as that. You're not supposed to be more like anyone else. You're supposed to be you. And reality tells us this because there you are, right? And so this radical self-acceptance, which is a practice. Now, we can we can understand this conceptually, which is the first step to understand, well, that's a good point, actually. Apparently, I'm exactly as I'm supposed to be because here I am. So I'm not going to argue with reality anymore because reality always wins. So I'm going to stop <laughs> arguing with reality. Yeah. Now, that doesn't love, mean that yeah. all of my past wiring doesn't still come into play emotionally and psychologically and I and I'm down on myself, you know, or I'm, you know, frustrated with myself, or I or I think I'm not enough. And all of this old stuff still comes into play. So then we need to activate some some habitual daily practices around wiring self-acceptance. Mm. And that can be as simple as using the power of language, affirmations, saying out loud every day, I am exactly enough. You know, yeah. I'm enough. Over and over, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. That's I'm great. enough. I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be, right? And you and by putting this on repetition, there's as you understand this, Jody, you're a coach, but there's science behind wiring neurons together and then they start to f- fire together repetitively and and automatically and they become a belief and then you start to believe, wow, I actually am enough. You believe mm-hmm. it. And when we believe things, then we filter information from the outside world to match our beliefs. So we start to we start to experience evidence from the environment around us that backs up our belief and you go, oh, wow, I am enough. Look at this wonderful life I'm living, right? So that's what happens there. But the the, the self-acceptance piece, when you, the more okay you become with yourself, what I've found is the less you feel like you have anything to defend. Mm. I don't feel like I need to defend anything. And so because I'm not needing to be defensive in conversations, that means I can really just put my own stuff to the side because there's not that much of it there anymore and really focus on you. I really be curious about you and, and your point of view and, 
where you've come from and how you've come to this idea that you've got, you know, and if your idea challenges my idea, I don't need to be defensive. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Let's talk about that. Right. Because you know, right. when we get defensive and we jump in, then it come, becomes an e- ego conversation. We're defending our sense of identity, which is our ideas and our politics and our religion. And we're getting very defensive, which means we're closed-minded and we're blinkered and we start kind of shouting at each other, so to speak. <laughs> and that doesn't actually help the communication. Right. Um, yes, it. I, I like the way you, you know, once you accept yourself, you know, you are able to accept others. So yes. you're able to really open up and, and be curious about mm. what they have to say versus defending what is going on or defending something that they brought up and then you're triggered and you feel wrong. Um, now I love, I love what you wrote in the book also about the, the positive aspect of being triggered. (laughs) Most of it freak out or triggered. It takes us a while to calm our nervous system down, but you say something, um, that is, that is very good. What, why, why is it good to have triggering come up? Um, and I first came across this idea from a book uh, by Michael Singer called The Untethered Soul. So that's where I, I heard this idea in this practice. And he says in there that it's good to be triggered because when you're triggered, what happens when you're triggered is that something in the present moment has created a, a neural association to a past trauma. So you might be walking down the street and your ex-partner's car drives past the same car they had it's not even them it's just the same car that your ex used to drive (laughs) and you see that car and you're triggered you start thinking about your ex and the horrible things that they did and the horrible divorce and how it cost you a hundred thousand dollars in lawyers fees and all of a sudden and you might have broken up with them 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) and all of a sudden you were walking down the street and because you saw a car now you're angry again. And you're like, oh, I'm still not okay with that. Right. So you've been triggered. And the reason it's a positive thing is because that trauma was lying there in your subconscious. It was in your cellular memory. It was in you. Um, Otherwise you wouldn't still be triggered by the car. It was like, it was in there, but it was subconscious. And when the trauma is subconscious, you can't let it go. You can't you know, practice resolution. You can't practice ironing out the creases when you're not even aware that it's there. So when you're triggered, it becomes into your conscious awareness. So now you're consciously pissed off going, ah, right. (laughs) And you're aware that you're pissed off and you're aware that you're still triggered by the past. So now you can do something about it. So the process is that when you get triggered and you go into a not ideal emotional psychological state, that you are firstly grateful oh, wow, I'm actually grateful I just got triggered then because what was in my subconscious is now in my conscious and now I can let it go Mm. again, you know, Mm. and letting it go can be quite a practical um, exercise. So through language, i.e. saying, I let this go, through physicalization, so I raise my shoulders up and I take a deep breath in and then I sigh, and so a big... And drop my shoulders and shake my body a little bit and say, I let this go. Now, there's science behind this, by the way, the, the, the benefit of sighing. 
uh, the benef- benefit of breath work, the ben- benefit of physicalization and, and language. If, if people need scientific evidence, you can go find it. It's there. Mm. Um, but anyway, so you can now, because you're conscious, so I'm grateful I got triggered and now I let this go. And this is a healing process. Now, the bigger the trauma was, the more times you need to let it go for it to really smooth out till there's no creases anymore. You know, if the trauma wasn't so big or if even if it wasn't trauma, it was just something that pissed you off. Um, you can let that go more easily, but it does take repetition. It's a practice. You know, there'll always be things, neural associations. You'll always see something that reminds you of the past and it'll come back up for you again. And that's okay. You just let it go. Mm-hmm. Come to a place of acceptance. You know, as, you know how I was talking about radical self-acceptance. It's the same thing as radical past acceptance, mm. which is that everything that has happened should have happened. Even so, the horrible stuff so there are should have happened. Mm-hmm. Apparently it should have because it did, right? You can't right. undo it. Right. The way that person abused you, yes, it was horrible. Yes, it was dysfunctional. Yes, it was traumatic. But should it have happened? Well, apparently because it did. You can't undo that. So you can argue until you're blue in the face. But they shouldn't have done that to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they did. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you argue that they shouldn't have, you can't change the fact that that happened, right? So once we come to a place of going, wow, I'm not going to argue with reality anymore because that's a waste of my energy. So apparently everything that has happened should have happened. Doesn't mean it was good. Sometimes it was terrible, but it did happen. So it did. So this place of acceptance is really a liberation from suffering. Mm-hmm. I can see, yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, I love that uh, that quote um, by Byron Katie, one of my favorite people, and her. Yeah. The, you know the four the four um, questions. Um, yeah. You you can argue with the reality, but reality will win a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. It, it does. What happened was real. What happened did happen. You can you can say it, it shouldn't have, and I'm I'm still upset with this person. All valid, but the fact is, here it is in front of you. What's your next move? You know what? How are you going to yeah. start healing yourself? And yeah. you no. Know, you don't have to move on, but how can you be kind and compassionate as a first step yeah. towards the healing process? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I love the radical, radical self past acceptance. Is that the order or the yeah. radical past acceptance? The same thing. I mean, our, yeah. our whole sense of self is, is our relationship to the past. Yes, absolutely. You know, my my eighteen year old, who's he's actually about to turn nineteen next month, but my eighteen year old said to me last year, or maybe it was the year before, I can't remember, but he said to me, Dad, if we had no memory, we'd have no identity. Mm. And I was like, You are spot on. Yeah. Hundred percent. Right. If we had no memory, we wouldn't have any sense of who we think we are. You know, ego would dissipate. Um so so really our sense of of self, this this illusion that we are mm. separate to the outside world is due to our experiences and the stories that we made up about the things that have happened to us in the past. Exactly. Um, 
yeah, powerful tools in the past, but I, yeah, we, we need it as a learning. We need it to move forward. We need it to recognize what's coming up and say, ah, I'm in that place again. Yeah. yeah. Let go. Ah, yeah. you know, something <laughs> else needs to, is asking to be healed. Let yeah. it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, how, yeah. How wonderful is letting yeah. go? Oh, what a what yeah. a wonderful practice to just let yes. go of stuff. Yeah, it certainly makes you more present in the moment, doesn't it? Yeah. By letting go, the moments after letting go are so rich. Yeah. With just experiencing what's around you and and even being grateful for again recognizing what happened, letting it go, and being fresher and renewed. Yeah. So we so are. True. Yeah, we are getting into some of the topics and a, a big part of your book is about the concept of spirituality in conversations in communication. Now, what, and this is a big topic, so Jim, you're going to have to <laughs> get yeah. simple, dummy it down because we yeah. could go to many yeah. places, but how does being a spiritual being and and living in in a spiritual rich way benefit us as humans and benefit our communication with others yeah it's funny isn't it because when we say the word spiritual the connotation is that it's a bit woo woo a bit mystical and maybe not real you know mm. and as the more i think about it because it, it, at this ends of this human experience, at one end of this human experience, we've got the egotistical experience that I am me, I'm a subject, and I'm in somewhere in my head, behind my eyes, I exist, and and then I've got this body that I inhabit, this is my body, and that I'm in the world, and I'm separate from everything around me, and I'm moving through this experience as the subject of everything that's going on in separation right? That's mm. this experience that we have, mm -hmm. that I'm separate right. from the things around me. Right. And then at the other end of the human experience, we have the spiritual experience where there are, there are moments where we've all experienced this to a certain degree, that feeling of proper connection, interconnectedness of being a part of the bigger system, that feeling of being at one with everything. And whether you've had that through an ecstatic experience or through dance. You know, sometimes when people are dancing at a concert and they they say, I lost myself in the music and they forgot that they were a separate individual. They were simply um, immersed in the experience of movement with other people and music and community and connection, right? So that's one way that we can experience it. The flow state, so someone might experience it um, when they're doing something that they love, or we can experience it through meditation or psychedelics. So there's different ways that we can experience this at oneness with everything feeling, right? So this is the spiritual experience. But when you think about it, we actually really are intrinsically and inseparably a part of the greater system. That's the actual reality. And we are all of the same building blocks. We are all of the same stardust. We actually literally are. You know, when you and I are sitting in a room together and someone walks through the room with a bunch of flowers and we both smell the flowers, that is actual particles of those flowers entering our through our nose and into our lungs. And we are literally consuming the, our environment. You know, we are a part of it. We're not separate. And so I, I actually think that 
that spiritual sense that we're all of something bigger is the actual reality and the the egoic identity mm. i'm separate from it that's the illusion mm. <laughs> that's great i i love where you're putting your stakes um yeah i i would agree ego is so subjective you know it's, it's exactly what we're experiencing and it, it is it is separate from others and yeah when we recognize that we are spiritual beings and connected to everyone else um there's something that that there's lightness about this there's a heart swelling yeah uh, you know reaction to this connectedness and and i think when we move in and out of that and we move back into your reality which is the connectedness and spirituality yeah. it's um it's a place of um, enlightenment and evolvement. Yes, where we and can. Yeah. yeah, Jody, I think they're both as important as each other. Okay, both yeah. of these ends of this spectrum, yeah. and they coexist. Mm. And without each other, possibly or potentially, don't exist. And we can not only move between the two of having a spiritual experience to an egoic individual experience. We can have them at the same time. And I believe that they're both important. So as much as a spiritual experience in communication is wonderful for the communication, because I've got nothing to defend. Mm. I'm not um, holding tightly onto my ideas. I'm listening to you and I'm sharing my ideas with you because, you know, we're all one singing yeah. Kumbaya. Right? <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, I am still aware that I am me and I've had mm. my past experience and I've got my opinions. I've got my discernment i've got my judgment i've got all my stuff and and bringing that to the conversation is important as well because mm -hmm. when we have that's diversity right so diversity is important you've got a different background to me you're dif you're bringing a different point of view to the conversation and if you and i are coming together to explore creative solutions to a problem say then it's really important that we have our differences because then we're expanding the bandwidth mm -hmm. of of possible solutions so I think it's really important that we are individuals and we have an ego and we have opinions. And at the same time, when we can remember that we're all one, we're all of the same greater system, then the conversation can be less defensive and more proactively creative. You know? Yeah. And we enrich each other by having both our, our mm -hmm. ego side and our, our spiritual side. We can connect, yeah. share, connect, share yeah etc yeah. and that's great um and i wanna you know just read one um sentence out of a book on how to work with the ego because it's a very spiritual way of working with the ego here we go yeah. i'm mixing both right we're yeah, not I'm, right. I'm trying to bring the the perspective yeah. in the middle but you say you know when you're when you're in an ego place, you talk to yourself and you say, hey, ego, look at you, desperate to be right. It's okay. We are safe right now. Our life is not in danger. And I think that's a very, that's a very loving way to deal when that ego is, again, either triggered or wants to be right in a, in a conversation or an argument. Um, and it's, it's again, giving yourself space and love and acceptance 
to mm. be who you are in that moment and to accept and also just to give a little bit of background and saying we're safe we don't mm. have to be in the survival place of running away from the lion or facing the lion yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know we can't accept ourselves so yes. um Jim, I, I love what we're talking about. It it's just so meaningful. How can people get in touch with you? Um, quite easily through my website, gemfuller.com. Uh, I mean, or you can just email me, hello at gemfuller.com. Uh, if you are interested in um, following me, I post I post most regularly on Instagram. Actually, um, I do post a little bit on. LinkedIn and Facebook, but mainly on Instagram, and that's at Jem Fuller. If you if you're wanting to, you know, just read the little bits of stuff that I share each day. Um, if you're interested in looking at my TEDx talk, you just go onto YouTube and punch in Jem Fuller into YouTube, and I show yeah. up there. But I think the website has pretty much got everything on it. Yeah, it's a great website, and I want to point out it is Jem G E M. We J have with a, a J E M. J yes. Sorry, G Sorry, yes. J-E-M, boy. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, we are We are working with uh, a little bit of an Australian accent, which is wonderful. And uh, <laughs> we want to we be clear. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. think of To Kill a Mockingbird and uh, Jem oh, Finch was the, the character in To Kill a Mockingbird. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great way to remember that. Yeah, so Jem Fuller. J-E-M-F-U-L-L-E-R.com will be his website. You can find out all about who he works with, building your own capabilities with a number of different techniques. And, um, and of course, the book, um, The Art of Conscious Communications for Thoughtful Men. You can pick that up on Amazon and many other places but that will give you um, a very uh, broad and rich background on what Jem is talking about today mm, thanks Charity. oh yeah i want to thank you so much for your time and um really taking very thoughtful ways of describing um, all of our challenges as a human and mm. I, I find that really uh, meaningful and reassuring that we can do things in order to elevate our lives. Yeah, it is reassuring, isn't it, to know that we can actually have something to say about, you know, as you say, elevating our lives. And for me, it's about continually finding ways to make life a bit easier. Mm. You know? And that's not to say that there won't be painful stuff. I mean, pain's inevitable. Yes. Everyone you know is going to die at some point in time, some of them before you and some of them after you, but the ones that die before you, it's going to hurt, right? That's called grief. <laughs> There's no way around that. Yeah. But but no matter what happens, there are daily practices we can put into place that make life easier, you know? And I'm, I'm curious about that because we don't have to sit back and be a victim. We can actually um, have something to say about the quality of our life. In fact, we can have a lot to say about the quality of our life. So, and Jody, the work you do is, is to that end as well. And, mm. um, you know, I'm really glad to have met you recently. Yes. You're such a lovely, lovely person and you're mm. completely heart driven to make a positive difference in people's lives. And so thank you for doing the work that you do. Well, that is, that is so wonderful to hear. I'm very grateful to hear that. 
And um, we could go on about we could. <laughs> how great, <laughs> but yeah. uh, just remember, you know, change is certain, suffering is optional. <laughs> and I think that's what you were saying. Read, yeah. so pick up uh, Jem's book and read how to make your life easier. Yeah. With reality and <laughs> the realities yeah. that set in. All yeah. right, Jim. Well, thank you once again. And I really appreciate your time. You're welcome, Jody. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com.